grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You might be wondering what's up with the astronaut, right? You've seen it on the cover. You've seen it up there. Well, if you look overall at the risks, the statisticians say that space travel is by far the deadliest form of transport. And so it takes a lot of courage to launch yourself up into space when the mortality rate is so high for astronauts. It has to be one of the most fear-filled, anxious events human beings would willingly aspire to. That's an image that we're kind of taking with us through these next six weeks. We could take it into our lives because we sort of live in fear-filled and anxious times. It kind of seems to be the diet that the media and the culture are sort of putting forth for us to consume. And uh, I talk with a lot of you. I talk with a lot of people. And I know that you're out there wondering how do we overcome this increasing amount of cultural and personal anxiety and fear. How can we launch ourselves into the midst of that and live? And not just survive, but to live a rich and abundant life in the middle of it all. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at three women and three men, six different Old Testament characters who courageously launched their lives. They launched their lives into anxiety-inducing times, into circumstances, into places, into relationships, into situations, into unknown futures. And perhaps most profoundly, they had trust and they had faith in the midst of uncertainty. And so we're going to look at that, the radical trust and the fearless faith of these men and these women who are not much different than us. And it's my hope and it's my desire that we can be encouraged by their story as we look at our own story and our faith will go stronger. And I hope that all of you will be growing together with other believers as you do, as you do this study in your life groups this next week and in the next six weeks, as you do it in your families or if you do it on your own. And if you haven't joined a life group yet, get out to the table. We'll try and help find you one out there in a courtyard or grab the materials. Do it with your family. Do it by yourself. Grab a couple friends or just one friend. It's super easy to do. Even if it's just you and one other person, that's growing together. Connect to God, grow together, share Christ. And so this morning, today, as we launch in, we're going to look at Abraham. And we're not looking at Abraham Lincoln, though we could learn a few things from him too. But we're going to go back. We're going old school. We're going back to Genesis. We're going 4,100 plus years back to the book of Genesis, to the first of the patriarchs, to Abraham. Now, how many of you grew up in the church? Raise your hand if you, kind of have, you grew up in the church. Now, if you grew up in the church, you probably know a song, right? Father Abraham, anybody, raise your hand if you know that. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you. Okay, you know that song, right? Well, it's 2018, so we probably should change the lyrics because I have three daughters, and they are not sons of Father Abraham. They're daughters, all right? So you can say that we're kids, right? But that's a whole other story. But it's kind of crazy that 4,000-plus years later, after Abraham, 2.2 billion human beings on the planet Earth would claim to be one of Father Abraham's kids. That's how many Christians there are in the world today. I'm one of them, and so are you. But good old Abe, Abraham, as we might call him, Abram as he's also known, how many kids did he think he would actually have in the future? Did he realize how popular he would be 4,000 plus years later? Did he know the significance of his life? 
I mean, he's one of the patriarchs, right? Father Abraham. I mean, he must have been perfect in his life, right? No matter what he went through, he was never afraid. He had radical trust in fearless faith all the time. He never experienced any anxiety and fear in his life, right? No. Genesis chapter 15 gives us an interesting picture. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh came to Abram. His name was changed to Abraham later. Came to Abram in a vision. So God said to him, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Okay, so why would God say to Abraham, don't be afraid? Because he was what? He was afraid, right? That's what we do. That's what any parents in the room or if you had parents ever, you know uh, what it's like, right? Something's going wrong in your life. You're feared. You're filled with anxiety. And a parent will come in and says, don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. Parents say that to their children to instill hope in them, to instill confidence, to give them peace, and to give them a picture of reality because they know more than their children, right? They know that it's going to be okay. And so when the kids are afraid, they know that if they instill that hope and that peace and that confidence and that reality in them, they can face whatever they're going through. That's what the Heavenly Father is doing to Abraham, his kid. But you might be asking, well, what was it that Abraham was going through? You see, there are two, at least two big things. And if you look at his whole story, and I encourage you, get into Genesis this week. Read through Abraham's story again. Be reminded about what he was going through. There's a lot of stuff in his life that he was wrestling with. But there are at least two big things that we, I want to look at this morning that he was uncertain about the future. And he was uncertain about the future because of, one, his immediate circumstances in his life, and two, because of doubt. And that doubt is centered around the fact that what seemed to be a contradiction to what God had promised for his life and how he was perceiving his life at the very moment. Immediate circumstances and doubt about God's direction in his life. And I think that every one of us in the room, we probably get that. That first part, sometimes we get caught up. We get so caught up in the immediate circumstances, right? That it's so hard to see the forest from the tree that's right in front of us. So you might be asking, what was Abraham's immediate problem? It says there, those first two words, Genesis 15, 1, says, after this. Well, what was this? What is this referring to? You look in chapter 14. Chapter 14, Abraham, he got caught in this terrible war. And there was this certain bad king who had subjected a bunch of other kings to his control. And after 12 years, they said, we have had enough. And so they rebelled against the oppressive king, and a war broke out. Some kings aligned with the oppressor kings. Some kings aligned with those who were being oppressed. And there was battle and war for two years. And in the middle of that, Abraham's nephew, Lot, got caught up in the battle, got caught up in the war, and the bad king took Lot and his family and his, all of his people and his possessions and took them off into captivity. And Abraham hears about it. He says, that's my family. And so he gathers the 318 warrior men in his household, in his people, in his clan, and they go after Lot. They pursue and they attack the enemy and they rescue Lot and his family and all their possessions and they bring them back home. And he comes home from this. And we have Genesis 15, 1. 
And he was probably afraid for his life, afraid of retaliation because the ancient Near East, it didn't have all the safety and security that we experience here in the United States of America. It was dangerous time, dangerous culture. These kings were they probably going to come back and retaliate and destroy him and his whole family and everything that he had acquired and amassed. Abraham was afraid for his life. His immediate circumstances brought fear. It brought a narrow focus. All he could see what was right before him. And God comes in and says, don't be afraid, Abram. He says, I am your shield. And if you look in the Old Testament, shield is a symbolic word for king. God is coming in and saying, I am your king. Don't fear all these other kings in this war and in this battle that you got yourself into. I'm the king of kings. I am your king. I will protect you. But we look at Abraham's life and we have a tendency to do that. Something bad happens in our life or some sort of fear creeps in or we perceive that something's going to happen and it's right there in front of us and it's not going well or we think it's not going well or we stand up for doing something right and persecution follows and then that negative thing that was either there or we're perceiving, it's the only thing we can see. It consumes us. We dwell on it. We focus on it. It controls us. We become nearsighted. We only see the immediate thing. Anybody ever do that in your life? Yeah, I do it all the time. Too much. Ask my wife. Sometimes those things wake you up in the middle of the night. God's word to Abraham is God's word to you and to me this morning says that no matter what is causing fear in your life right here, right now, no matter how bad it seems right here, right now, God says to you, he says, don't be afraid. I am your shield. I am your king. I am greater than the fear or the circumstance in your life. And then what he says next to Abraham has great consequences for us all. He says, I am your very great reward, or your reward will be very great. And so we're kind of like, well, what does that kind of mean? It's kind of funny language. What is, what is he talking about? Well, first of all, Abraham's pretty wealthy, right? He's got a great reward. He's got a great treasure. He's got 318 men in his clan, all right? He is successful by earthly standards. He's doing pretty well. But God is reminding Abraham that God has bigger plans for him beyond earthly and earthly earthly success, and worldly riches. And in many ways, he's reminding Abraham of the promise that he made to him 10 years earlier. Genesis chapter 1, God came into Abram's life, and he said these things. Chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And this is huge right here. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abraham went, as the Lord told him, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So he went from Haran, he went into the land of Canaan, and then the Lord spoke to him again in Genesis 13, he says, all that this land 
that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring, then your children, then your kids could be counted. And so we see in Abraham's life, we see a radical trust. We see a fearless faith. He left his country. He left his people. He left his father because he trusted the promise that God had given him. But 10 years later, in Genesis chapter 15, the immediate circumstances of war are rising up. And maybe it's been 10 years and he's starting to wonder. He's starting to struggle with his faith. He's wondering, should I have left it all 10 years ago? I'm 85 years old. I don't have any kids now. This doesn't make sense. Sound familiar? That's real life there, my friends. That is struggle with God. But God comes back in, points him as a father does, as a parent does, to reality. And he says to him, I'm your king. I'm your reward. I'm your treasure. I promise you, don't be afraid. But I love it. He's struggling. Abraham's struggling. And so he he brings his struggle to God. He talks to God. Verse 2, it says in Genesis 15, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, my servant, my employee. Abraham said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. God responded to him and said, no. He says, you're going to have a child of your own. In verse 5, he says, God took him outside and he said, look up. Look up and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. One of the greatest verses in the whole entire Bible, Genesis 15, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, trusted the Lord had faith in the Lord, took the Lord at his word. And because he did that, God credited it to him as righteousness. And you know what? It wasn't until 15 years later from that moment when Abraham turned 100 years old that his son Isaac was born. It took him 25 years 25 years to just begin to see the promise unfold that God had given him. 25 years. And it was a miracle that Isaac was born. Then from there came Jacob. And then from there came Joseph. And then Moses. Then the Exodus. Then Joshua. Then the judges. Then King David. Then Israel. Then Judah. Then finally Jesus. And then finally the church. And then finally we are gathered here this very morning because of it. Because of the promise. Man, there is so much in that story. I think we learned some pretty powerful lessons from Abraham's life. As we think about having a radical trust and a faith that has less fear in it, fear, less faith. You see, Abraham wasn't some superhero of the faith because, you know, someone that we should look up to and we want to aspire to be because he was totally awesome and totally righteous on his own. He was a normal guy. He was broken. He had doubts. He had struggles. He reached out to God. And he had gifts and talents and skills. All of it mixed together just like the rest of us. The most important part of Abraham's faith and his trust was that, number one, very first thing, Genesis chapter 12, God called him. God promised to use him in a big way. 
Why? Because was he awesome or more righteous or more able or more gifted than any other human being on the planet Earth at the time? No. It's because God called him. God chose him. God promised him. God's grace was upon him. And my friends, that is our story. Abraham's story is our story. God has called you. God has chosen you. God has promised you. God has come into your life and given his grace and his power and his mercy and his blessing upon you. And he says, I will use you in huge and big and powerful, marvelous ways. He did that when you were baptized. He did that when your word was spoken to you. He did that whenever you hear his grace and mercy every Sunday. Why? Why does he do that? He does that because he's your father. And he wants that for you. And we learn that faith and trust, it always starts with God. It starts with his promises. It starts with his gifts. It starts with his grace. It starts with his mercy. It starts with his reality for our lives. And the second thing we learn from Abraham is that when you begin to doubt God, when it's 10 years later and you thought God said this and it hasn't happened, whether it be because of immediate circumstances like war or because you begin to doubt those promises, if they're really true, you bring those honestly to God. You bring those struggles to God. You bring those doubts to God. That's what Abraham did. In prayer, it's recorded in the scriptures. And God didn't backhand him for being disrespectful, right? He's not an abusive father. His heavenly father reminded him. Love these words, and I hope you'll hear those words too. He said, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your king. I'm your very great reward. I've got big plans for you, my son. You will be a blessing, a blessing, a huge blessing to all peoples. All nations will be blessed through you. God says, look up at the sky. Count the stars, Abram so shall your offspring be. Abram didn't get to see it all with his own eyes, but he saw it in faith and trust and hope. And 4,000 plus years later, 2.2 billion kids later, Father Abraham has many kids, and many kids have Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's walk forward together. Let's walk forward in faith, and in trust, and, and realizing the truth that our God is bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than our doubts. He's bigger than our fears. He's bigger than our anxieties. And I hope we grow and walk in that together over the next six weeks. Amen? Amen.